The Holy Gospel according to John, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Because of the length of this Gospel reading, I'm going to encourage you to please be seated during the Gospel. But Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. Those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then, Jesus' disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want, or why are you speaking with her? The woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. And meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. 
But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is the gospel of our Lord. I'd like to share with you a prayer that has been offered in a community in Oregon. It's a prayer for a time of pandemic as we begin our time to reflect on the gospel we just heard. Let's pray. May we who are merely inconvenienced remember those whose lives are at stake. May we who have no risk factors remember those most vulnerable. May we who have the luxury of working from home Remember those who must choose between preserving their health or making their rent. May we who have the flexibility to care for our children when their schools close, remember those who have no options. May we who have to cancel our trips, remember those who have no safe place to go. May we who are losing our margin money in the tumult of the economic market, remember those who have no margin at all. May we who settle in for a quarantine at home remember those who have no home. As fear grips our country, let us choose love. During this moment when we cannot physically wrap arms around each other, let us yet find ways to be the loving embrace of God for one another and to our neighbors. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be with you from God who is our creator and Christ, our Savior. Amen. Pastor Barbara, thank you for the invitation to be here again at Faith Lutheran. It's been a while. It's good to be back with you. I've been here once before and once for an ordination. It was really a truly a joyous day. Um, This is being called my farewell tour uh, because my time as bishop will soon end at the end of July. Um, A new bishop will take office on August 1st. We'll be electing that person in May when we gather for our Senate Assembly. Um, And so I had my scheduler uh, set up some places that I really wanted to make sure I had a chance to get to before I was done because I only had so many Sundays available and Faith Lutheran in Castro Valley was one of those places. So I'm really grateful that we were able to make this work. And thank you for your commitment 
and your ministry here as you continue to try to figure out how to serve the people of this part of Alameda County, and especially now in this time when we're concerned about, worried about COVID-19, the coronavirus, and, and what we have to offer as a community of faith for the larger community to learn from, to see from, to learn from our witness of how it is that we are understanding God's presence in the midst of this challenging time. Some churches in our synod have chosen not to worship for a few weeks, and they're going to transmit the sermon or parts of the service to people where they can see them in their home. Other churches like yours are saying, yes, we can be together, but let's use common sense. Let's use social distancing. That's a new phrase that we're using now, which I would think a lot of Lutherans would be pretty comfortable with, quite honestly. And especially, I mean, this is unusual. We've got some people sitting in the front pews. Most of the churches I visit, the front pews are ready for social distancing. So let me just offer that thank you for your continuing conversations with Pastor Barbara and your leadership, with health officials and people from your congregation and from the community, as week by week, I think, we try to follow this very quickly moving, changing story of the coronavirus to wonder what would be a way for our community to continue to connect or to choose not to connect as we learn more information. I have offered my support and my encouragement for each congregation to work with their local health authorities to determine what would be the best way for them to move forward. And in a synod our size, which is quite large, all of central and northern California and northern Nevada, there are 57 counties. And that means 57 county health agencies with 57 county health officers who may have a different way of thinking about how they need to respond in their area. And we're leaving that to each congregation to determine what makes the most sense. Um, you'll already know, as Pastor Barbara shared, there's ways that you're being together now that are already different, including in this time of Lent, when we normally want to be together. We're, we're not only together on Sundays in Lent, we also try to get together on Wednesdays, right? We really appreciate the time of journeying together through Lent together with Christ towards that cross of Good Friday. And it seems odd to talk about social distancing and wanting to be together in the same sentence and how you are doing that and how you are recognizing that. Bishop Eaton, we were gathered together as the Conference of Bishops last week in Chicago and, and she had an interesting way of thinking about what it means to be a church for a time such as this in Lent going through a coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic and she wondered, given that there are practices like sharing the peace or like dipping our fingers in the water as we prepare for receiving communion or receiving communion if some of these practices need to be suspended because we don't want to put the most vulnerable at risk, people who could be harmed by the coronavirus. And she wondered, and I am intrigued by this thought, something like Holy Communion could be something that we choose to give up for Lent. Now we normally think about giving things up for Lent that maybe aren't that good for us. Communion is good for us. But her way of thinking about this was to say, what if we decided to avoid the practice of sharing Holy Communion in Lent as a way like we do with other Lenten practices of stepping away from things to see them in a new way, to reorient ourselves and think about how this sacrament when it's safe and time for us to come together and share that sacrament again, might 
take on a new place in our walk of faith, might take on a new place in our relationship with Christ and with each other. I'm intrigued by that. I'm, I'm aware of and thankful for the leadership of our presiding bishop who could take something like giving something up for Lent and have that even make sense with something like Holy Communion. And so when you think about social distancing and all the things we're doing, again, it's out of love that we are doing these things, not fear. As a community of faith, we want to make sure that the message we're sending is we love and care for each other and for our neighbor, that we don't want to do anything that could possibly harm them. It's not out of fear for ourselves. It's out of love and care for others that we choose to do these things. How many of you knew the phrase social distancing two weeks ago? I've never heard of it. But when you think about it, social distancing is actually a part of the gospel story that I just read. This very long story about Jesus at the well at Sychar and the Samaritan woman. Because this Samaritan woman had come to the well at noon. Not in the morning when most of the other women from the village would have come to draw water. She was coming at a time when no one else would be there. Probably because... Well, she may have been shunned in the community, as Jesus pointed out to her. Her life had been unusual. And there may be some in the community who judged her. And for whatever reason, maybe it was just more comfortable for her to come when the other women weren't around. We don't know. But Jesus was there at the well. He was tired. He was waiting there rather than going into town with the disciples to buy food. And when this woman came up, He risked sharing something with her, his own vulnerability. At that moment, he was thirsty, and he told her so, even though there were all kinds of rules and social conventions that should have said he should never have talked with her, nor she with him. He risked being vulnerable with her, to say, I'm thirsty. Get me a drink. She also risked, I think, her vulnerability of even entering into that conversation with Jesus. But think what would have been missed if they had not been willing to take the risk to be vulnerable together. All the conversation that ensued about water and living water and salvation and God's plan of salvation for the world. I stood purposely here by this baptismal font as I read the gospel, referencing again and again the living water because all of us, have been washed in these waters. All of us know what the living water of baptism does for us in initiating our walk of faith, in God's choosing to redeem and save us because of the love of Christ. Jesus was able to have this amazing conversation because they took the risk of talking together. And sometimes it's risky talking with people who are different from us. Sometimes it's risky entering into those conversations I had a conversation as I was coming back from the Conference of Bishops. I chose, instead of flying home, which I had done every time, I flew to Chicago and flew back to Sacramento. This time I chose to fly to Chicago, but when the Conference of Bishops meeting was over, I took the train home. A two-day train journey on the California Zephyr. And I'll just tell you, it was an interesting time to think about social distancing, riding on a train with a lot of other people. And one of the things that we did when it was mealtime was to gather in the dining hall. And if you've ridden on a train, you know when you're in a dining car and you come up and you're a single, they put you with other people. So you're going to be meeting some people. And it happened on one of those mealtimes when I was sitting with a couple from Orange County. Uh, they eventually, we got around to doing what we were supposed to do. You ask, well, what do you do for a living? 
And I said, well, I was a bishop for the Lutheran Church. And they talked about being members of a rather large and conservative congregation in Orange County. And, and we got around to talking about what was going on in the world with the coronavirus, COVID-19. And this gentleman said, well, you're a bishop, you're a pastor, you probably have a lot of learning and training. I, can I ask you a question about this? And I said, sure. He said, do you think this coronavirus is God's judgment on us? Do you think this coronavirus is some kind of judgment that God is making about the world? And I had to think for a minute. And I said, you know, my immediate answer is no. I do not believe that the same God who sent his son into the world to redeem the world would somehow send a virus to eradicate that same world. But what I do believe is this, that God created the universe and everything that exists. God created this world and everything that exists in this world. God and Jesus together in the creation, working to create this world and us. And included in the creation of that world are things like viruses. But God also created us with wisdom and skills and ability to discern and and learn and grow and understand our world. And that's why I'm really thankful that God has given some people the ability as medical practitioners to deal with things like viruses and for them to be able to help us understand what it means to live differently in a time such as this so that we're not making each other sick. So that's how I think God is showing up right now. That's the surprise of where we may be each day aware of God showing up in a time that seems very scary in other respects. God showing up in the care and the regard we show for each other. Just as God showed up at a well in Samaria when no one expected that that conversation should have and could have taken place. Where are the places that God is showing up in your life? Where are the places where God is showing up in our lives together to guide us, comfort us, and encourage us as we move through this time together? As we are the church for a time such as this, as we are a church which offers to the larger community an example of living out of love and not fear, confidence and hope. Just as Paul wrote to the Romans, how is it that suffering produces character, character produces endurance, endurance produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. This is the God who's showing up now through us, in us, for the sake of the world. Amen.